congregation, it is a great privilege that Sunday after Sunday in our midst, Christ's love for sinners is preached from this pulpit. Never take that for granted. From time to time when the sacraments are administered in the midst of the congregation, we are also reminded of Christ's love for sinners. As here in chapter 13 of the Gospel according to John, as we have read that the Lord Jesus spoke of his love to his disciples when he had gathered just before he was going to Golgotha at the end of his life. To know by grace that love of the Lord poured out in the soul, that desires to love him who loved me first. His love that transforms and marks the true Christian results in love to him, but also what we will see in this chapter, love to one another. When you have received by grace a place at the Lord's table. To be united to have fellowship, to love one another, not, not, not superficial, to have a genuine interest, caring, sacrificial love for one another, as Christ has loved his people as first. Because that is the center of this chapter. He's speaking to his children. And from time to time in the preaching, there's warnings. Time to time in the preaching is preaching to those outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this chapter, he speaks particular to his children. Bondness, unity, brotherly love in word and deeds towards one another. So in the early church, the early church is remembered as a community of fellowship, of, of, of charity, of prayer. Acts 2. All that believed were together and had all things in common. Sold their possessions, good part in them with all, all men, and as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord. Daily with one accord. with the result that the Lord added to the church, such as you should be saved. That is the church growth. Because the congregation was one accord. The early church later on was known not so much directly for, for its orthodoxy. The orthodoxy is the, the right teaching but for, for their orthopraxis, for the right living. 
As some of the early church fathers pointed out, for example, Hermes in the late first century repeatedly pointed to the Christian duty to take care of the widows and the orphans. Or claimant of Rome praised hospitality. It was practiced in the church. Polycarp wrote to Ignatius that the community's churches use their resources to ransom slaves. Very practical. The marks of a true Christian as a result flowing out of Christ's command. That is what we find in this chapter 13, what we read together, the gospel according to John. With the help of the Lord, I want to meditate with you on these words, particularly verse 34. A new commandment, says Christ, I have given to you, and I speak to his disciples. That you love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. And therefore the theme for tonight is a new commandment. Seeing in the first place Christ's love for his people. And in the second place giving our love, his people love, to him and to one another. Chapter 13 of the Gospel brings us just before the Passover festival. First one now, it was before the feast of the Passover. And time just before the cross, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate display of God's love for a lost world, for lost people such as you and me, by nature. And young people, that is not an old-fashioned term. And maybe you have heard it hundred times from this pulpit, lost people. But if you do not know the Lord, children, if you do not yet know the Lord, ask the Lord that you become a lost sinner. And lost sinners, he saves. Never forget. If you go tonight to bed, Lord, save me. Save me. John 13, that opens with Christ washing his disciples' feet. The first 17 verses that we have read. That is followed with announcing of Judas' betrayal, the verses 18 to 30, and closes then with a brief discourse of Christ to his disciples, the verses that we have read at the close of this chapter, where Christ does speak to his children, to you. A section that opens with this word, therefore when he was gone out, verse 31, that is when Judas went out to betray him, that is when Christ knew that he was only moments away where his disciples would leave him. Moments away, 
before going to Gethsemane, to Gabbatha, to Gokota, hours left of a life he has lived, a life that you and I should have lived and have to live, hours before a death he died that you and I deserve, in those final moments he speaks to his, his children. It is like those moments when an, a loved one is in his or her final hours and speaks and speaks of the most important thing to talk about. And so Christ, what he says here in these final hours, are very important to each of his children throughout all ages, to his disciples then, and so to say, his disciples now. And immediately Christ points to the cross. Verse 31b, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Five times, five times Christ speaks to glorify. Christ is glorified, God is glorified, glorify in him. In himself shall glorify him. But what is Christ saying here? Now the Son of Man glorifies. And, and young people, glory, to be glorified, it can be a challenging concept. God is love, or God is merciful, or God is long suffering, of great patience. We, we, we may have a certain understanding of it, conceptualize it, but, but God, Christ, is glorified. What is that now? Now, let me point to two aspects of glory. In the first page, glory points to its great worth, or something of great value, something of most important thing in life. For example... Children, remember the parable of the great treasure in Matthew 13? Man assessed its great value, so great that he sold everything that he had. Everything was pale compared to this great treasure, this great word and value of the kingdom of heaven. So in the first place, it is of great value. You speak of glory, it's the most important thing in your life. Secondly, it points to its beauty and brilliance. So the apostle writes in the second epistle to the Corinthians in chapter 3, noting the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance. And, and the, the word in the original language that is used here is, is doxa, doxology, worship, glory, brilliance, beauty. So glory points us to great worth, majesty, value, beauty, brilliance. Something that is of infinite more value to you than anything else. And now there is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. But Christ speaks of the cross. 
Gods glorie, Christ's glorie, Gods glorie in Christ is revealed on de kroos. Friends, who, who can comprehend, who can grasp this? He who left a place of glory and emptied himself, taking a form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form like us, humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, to display his glory. It is so contrary what we expect. Maybe you remember a couple months ago when, 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 when Charles of England became king, when his mother, the queen, passed away. In that moment, becoming king, People bowed and bowed deeply before him. He was so regal, the beauty, the brilliance, the worth, the power, the greatness of a king. Your majesty. And then the king of kings came. Laying aside his heavenly glory. Wrapped himself, taking the form of a servant. Became like us. In the likeness of men. Had no form nor comeliness, so we read in Isaiah 53. And be honest tonight, even if you cannot deny God's grace in your life, how was it in, in our life by nature? Eh? There was no beauty that we should desire Him. We hid our face as it were from him. We esteemed him not. Maybe you did it in a pious way. Or whatever way. Or to know by grace that you bowed before him at the cross where he glorified himself with all your sins and shortcomings, with all your faults and flaws, seeing the infinite word, value and beauty of Christ. Hmm? May I ask you, when was it the last time when you have seen the beauty of Christ? He humbled himself. The prophet Isaiah said, born our grief. And you cannot deny that. Carried our sorrows. Look back in your life. He was pierced for our transgressions, cursed for our iniquities. In his obedience to his father, Friends, he is a complete savior. Children never forget that. The Lord Jesus is a complete savior. Do you know what that means? You don't have to add anything. You cannot add anything. It is not necessary. He is doing everything for you.
een complete savior. Congregation in its passive obedience, meaning Christ took the penalty that you and I deserved. Died the death that you and I deserve and should have died. In his active obedience, meaning Christ lived the life his people should have lived. He kept all God's commandments and lived them. Who truly could say, I delight to do thy will. Oh my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Oh, seeing the glory of the cross. Seeing Christ's love, Christ's self-denying, Christ's sacrifice, sacrificial love. J.C. Rao writes in a sermon that seeing Christ on the cross is a joy and delight, is a comfort and peace, is a hope and confidence, is a foundation and resting place. Is an ark and refuge. A refuge. Do you hear? Maybe with that sin that you struggle with, there is a place of refuge. J.C. Rao said, This medicine for your soul. Hmm? For your soul. Not to think what you have done or must do. Not to meditate on your own goodness or your own righteousness. But to love to think what Christ has done. His suffering, his death, his righteousness, his blood that cleanses from all your sin. His finished and complete work. Was that the reason that you came tonight to church? That you did not come to church out of custom or testify that you were perfect and righteous in yourself. But on the contrary, that you seek your life out of yourself in Jesus Christ. Did you come now to church tonight that you know something that you don't have a perfect faith? That you do not give yourself to serve the Lord with the zeal as you are bound. That you daily have to strive with the weakness of your faith and the evil lust of your flesh. And I don't have to give the list of the lust of your flesh. You know. Looking unto Christ, your only refuge. Looking to the glory, the most important thing. The glory of the cross. That is the love of a true Christian. Is that you? You may know a great deal about Christ. A kind of a head knowledge. You may know who he was. Where he was born, what he did. You may know his miracles, his saying, his prophecies, his ordinances. You may know how he lived, how he suffered, how he died. But friends, unless, unless you know the power of Christ's cross by experience, unless you know and feel within that the blood shed on that cross 
has washed away my sins. Unless you are willing to confess that your salvation depends entirely on Christ, what he did upon the cross. Unless this is the case, Christ will not profit you. The mere knowing of Christ's name will never save you. You must know his cross and his blood, or else you will die in your sins. And that is the wonder of grace this night. And that is the privilege of the preaching of the word, of the gospel of Christ. Despite who I am, despite of my struggles and strife, and yet to the King I will go if I perish. I perish. But having heard the voice of my beloved, oh, then there are times he comes. And he comes over the mountains of impossibilities. And then you will seek him who my soul loves to be received of God in mercy. Mercy for Christ's sake. Seeing so Christ so such infinite words value and beauty over against your sin, your shortcoming, and the ugliness of myself. I think it is always beautifully written in the form of the administration of the Lord's Supper, where he was bound that we might be freed from our sins. This hope in life, unfounded hope, ungiven hope, and hope for Christ's sake, where he was innocently condemned to death, so that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. Do you see the love of Christ? Eh? The glory of the cross. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends, failing friends, false friends, sinful friends, but for friends. The greatest sacrifice is love. Now therefore the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were which are in the world. And he loves you to the end. Christ's love for sinners. This man, Christ, the son of man, Christ receives sinners and eat with them. This man, Christ, receives such a sinner as you are. He receive you and you do not come you cannot come 
he draws with cords of love. And Christ facing his final hour, facing suffering, facing the cross, facing death, he says to his friends, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. As I love you, seeing his great love for each of his children, does he ask you too much to keep this new, this commandment of love? To keep this new commandment for Christ's sake, for his sacrificial, self-denying love. He asks of you and me, if you cannot deny his grace in your life, when you have received a place at the Lord's table, and he says, as I loved you, that you also love one another. Now, congregation, the commandment to love one another is also, of course, found in other places in Scripture, in the Old Testament. It is not new. And just a reminder, in Adam and with all God's covenant people of old, we have not kept his commandment and none of his commandments. But what is then new in what Christ asked his disciples? Well, he said, as I have loved you. That makes it new. Seeing his infinite love, his sacrificial love, seeing the depth of his love, what it has cost him. And friends, let me be somewhat practical tonight. For this new week, meditate. Meditate often in your busy schedules and see the depth of Christ's love by the greatness of what it cost him. Seeing the depth of his love for each of his children and we deserve nothing. The more undeserving we are, the more undeserving we are, the more amazing and deep is his love for us. Seeing the depth of Christ's love for us, by the greatness of the benefits we received in being loved. Young people, let me give an example. If you are helped in an exam, to pass an exam, we feel loved in one way. If we are helped to get a job, you feel helped in another way. But now think for a moment. When you are rescued from eternal torment and given a place in the presence of God with fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore, we will know the depth of love that surpasses all the others. The apostle says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us in Christ. 
that we should called, be called children of God. Amazing, eh? Not children of wrath. That is what we deserved. But children of God. Meditate upon that. Meditate this week. Reflect on it. And, and, and to experience love. love. Love is deep in its proportion to its liberty. I recently read. Let, let me explain what I mean. If an insurance company... If an insurance company pays you $2,000 because you wrecked your car, you don't usually marvel how much this company loves you. But if your church, if the congregation makes all your meals for a month after you have lost a loved one, and someone in the congregation calls you every day, visits you every weekend, then you call it love, because they don't have to do this. It was freely done, it was willingly done. So do you begin to see the depth of Christ's love for his children, in his freedom, in his willingness? Therefore, he says, does my father love me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No moment can take it from me, but I lay it down for myself. And therefore we have been called to be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, offering an, an a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Is that how the congregation is known in Kalamazoo? Een fragment aroma. An imitation of him. Him who has loved you with an everlasting love. With a sacrificial love. Who invites you to come to him. Who gives food through his word to the weary and the weak on the way. Who gives drink through the sacraments. Reminding of that blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That cleanses of all your sins. Sins of the past you don't have to talk about. It is not necessary anymore. In Christ is forgiven and forgotten. As sins of the present you struggle with. You can take refuge in him. And sins of the future. They have been covered by his blood. Through him. Who gave himself up for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. Then I ask you again, does he really ask you too much? To be a fragrant aroma, also as a church community, as God's people? Pleasing, sweet, radiant, inviting community? Congregation, there's plenty of space in this building. For, for, for any ministry you want to set up. To receive the broken ones of our society. Those in need from the neighborhood. They also need the gospel of Christ's love. Is it seen in the church? Is it seen in the way we fellowship together? That ye love one another. Remember, says Christ, as I have loved you, that you also Love one another. Do we really have this servant attitude? As Christ emptied himself by the 
taking the form of a servant. Supremely loved by his father. He left heaven for earth to bring his people from earth to heaven to himself. Are we truly servants serving one another and those around us and come in contact with? He was, he, he, he was born in our likeness. Do we see the people also this week? Be, be very practical. The people that we see this week and, and, and meet this week. Maybe a homeless one or a single struggling divorced man or a woman or a deformed person or someone with hurt or pain or whatever skin color. But do we see one created in God's image? N- not any better than you or me. But in need of salvation, in need of the Savior, as we need it as well. Do we as church community carry the sorrows of others, share in the grief of those around us? Christ humbled himself. Yes, also in the church, taking the lowest place. That's how the chapter begins. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. An explicit example for what he came for. Not to come to be served, but to serve. And verse 15, Christ says, I have given you an example that you also should do. Not just talk, do. Just as I have done to you. I'm not the only people suitable to represent Jesus. Are the lowly, the humble ones, the servant-like, the self-denying ones? Friends, there is no room. There is no room for self-promotion. The business magazine Forbes identified self-promotion as a leadership skill. What is needed, congregation, is servant leadership with a Christ-like humility. Seeing what Christ has done for such one as you are, as I am. Servant leadership. And the riches, the life of those around us. Builds better organizations, congregations, seminaries, Bible schools, churches, and creates a more just and caring world. And whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, must be your servant. That is the radical call of the gospel, is to be served by Jesus as we serve others. And should his sacrificial love, his glory on the cross, not transform us to be imitators of him, to live out of him this new commandment for what he has done, what you and I never can do and could do in ourselves. And therefore, as he has loved you, go back in your life. As he has loved you and you cannot deny that that you also love one another 
And in this way, to be also a means of grace, maybe we can call it missionary means, evangelistic means in God's work. Christ reminds us in the subsequent verse of the text, verse 35, by this, by this, when you love one another, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Does your neighbor next door know that you follow Christ? As Christ prays to his Father in chapter 17, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Does the world, does the world around us, does the world here in Kalamazoo believe that Christ was sent by the Father? Does the world in which we work, the, 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 the world when we go to school, university, believe in Christ because we are one. We are one for Christ's sake. On a, on a given Sunday morning or a given Sunday evening, when the world will look inside this building, do they see a compelling love for one another? Or do they see coldness, stiffness, and they walk away? Young people, love is the ultimate apologetics. Who, who, who can resist love? As Christ has loved you, love binds together in all its brokenness. Broken people, maybe poor and needy in themselves, but love, Christ's love, binds them together. I think it was Dr. Martin Lothar who once worked in the high elite echelon of the British society in a famous hospital in London as an assistant to the royal physician. But after struggling for years, what he sensed was a call to preach in gospel ministry. He returned to Wales and began to serve in a very, very small congregation. And serving a small, poor, fishing, fishing village. Then a voice came inside saying, Are you a Christian? Maybe you recognize that question. When you walk over campus or you go to your work. Are you a Christian? And he wrestled and wrestled. Till he saw... Till he saw, and, and, and that's what he said to the voice, there is more joy being among God's people in this little village than among the elite without God in London. There is more joy. That is that love that binds God's people together in Christ. And that stopped the voice. Yeah. Do you know something? I am a companion of all them that fear thee. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, says Christ, that you also love one another. And these words as recorded in chapter 13, 
the Apostle John remembers them years later as he remembered Jesus' words spoken before the feast of the Passover as they had eaten together. As he writes years later in 1 John 3. And this is how we should remember and practice his words. Then he writes, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. And by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. So we also ought to lay down our life for the brothers, for the sisters. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, little children, writes the apostle, the very word of God. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So that you may say at the end of your life, by grace, maybe for some is sooner than later, But if you cannot deny Christ's love in your life, that you may look back in your life, the end of your life, and say, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. Then Christ will say on the great day of judgment, when you stand before him, then he will say, come, come, you are blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For, and that is the orthopraxis, eh? I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty, you gave me drink, I was estranged and you welcomed me, hospitality. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you to drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome and naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king in his glory will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one, to one. Of the least of this, my brothers, you did it to me. You did it to me. One. Yeah, I hear you will have many shortcomings. I have minus many shortcomings. Don't visit the sick and don't go to prison. Don't, don't. One. To the least. To the least. Love one another as he has loved you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And he loves you to the end. To the end. Amen. Lord will give by grace that thy love may break us, humble us, bring us low before thee. Then thou hast promised to each of thy children 
and I love you to the end. To the end. Lord, we need an eternity for that. To win the dead wonder of grace. Nothing deserved. And yet being loved for Christ's sake. And Lord, if we do not know that love poured out in the hearts of thy children, if we don't know that, that tonight is the last night that we live for our own account and humble ourselves, go on our knees and Plead with heaven. Take refuge in that love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord will remember us this week that we may practice what we have heard and that our life bear fruit of that love of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved each of his children first. So remember us in thy mercy. Forgive our sins and shortcomings in speaking and in listening. And that for Jesus' sake, amen.